You are now listening to the Claim It Podcast with me, your host, Trisha Huffman, your joyologist. On this podcast, I have conversations with people who intrigue and inspire me. We get into their full life journey because I believe that our feelings of being successful, worthy, fulfilled, enough are not out there somewhere. Once I have this job, this much money, this relationship, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, then I'll feel it. If you keep putting it outside yourself, you're going to keep on chasing it. That's why I believe it is up to us to claim it for ourselves every day, sometimes every moment of the day. On today's episode, I have Africa Miranda. She's an internationally known beauty and travel influencer. Her brand inspires women everywhere to embrace their inner light. She's a host, an executive producer, a beautypreneur, and a digital personality. She's written a book. She has media workshops. She has quite a story, and I loved getting to know her through this conversation, and I think you guys will too. Just a little note real quick, if you haven't yet, I'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast and leave me a review. If you leave a review, screenshot it and email it to podcast at yourduologist.com and I will send you a gift from my product line, which you can check out at shop.yourduologist.com. And this week I'm going to start something new. So you can send in the review, but also sharing in and tagging me on social media. So share about the episode and you'll be entered in a giveaway to win a package of multiple items from my product line. So just tag the episode, share it. Loving this episode with your joyologist, Claim It Podcast. You can tag Africa Miranda at your joyologist at Claim It Podcast. All right, why not? Share, spread the love, share the inspiration and get yourself some goods in the process. Now let's get into that episode. So I like to start kind of at the beginning. Like, let me know, what was life like for you growing up? I grew up in Alabama. I was born in Boston, but we moved to my mother and I moved to Alabama when I was three, when my parents separated. So I grew up in Montgomery, Alabama. So I, you know, I have family in Massachusetts, but I claim like the South definitely is home. And that's grew up in Alabama, went to college in Alabama. Like I didn't, you know, come back to East Coast until after college. And what, like, do you remember growing up, like, ideas of what am I going to do when I grow up? And especially, like, high school years when I feel like there's more pressure on, like, you go to college. Do I go to college? What am I going to be? Like, that sort of stuff. I mean, it was always, college was never a question, I think, of if I was going. Because it's just, it was understood that I was going. And I wanted to go. So it was like, I was in an academic program. So I was going. All of my friends were going. Like, my mother had gone to college. Like, all my aunts like my aunt is a PhD, my mother and my other aunts have their master's. So it was, it was never a thing of like, I guess college was just like, this is what's next. Like I just, high school. <laughs> and I wanted to do that. Like I grew up like the South is like, one thing I will say about the South, it's like college town. So you grow up going to like college football games and college activities, your friends, parents went to college. So it was very much a thing of like, well, of course you go to college when you're finished. So it never occurred to me not to go. So it wasn't even that I felt pressure it was like, just like you're, you're expected to go to high school after junior high, you're like, you go to college, like after high school. So, you know, graduated, but I wasn't, I'm not, I'm not going to say that I was hundred percent sure about what I wanted to do. I was always in, I was in an academic program, but I was always very much involved in the arts as well. But when I went to college, I leaned more on like academics. I wasn't really doing much, much artistically because growing up, I was in musical theater and dance and played instruments and did all of that. But when it became time for college, I think I, I did lean more into like the traditional, this is like more of what's expected, you know, sort of thing. I was super active in college. Like I pledged a sorority. I was black, I went to a black college. I graduated from Alabama State uh, University. I was an orientation leader. I was Miss ASU. So I very much did the like full, like, I like college was great. Like I loved college. I did like everything you could probably do like at the school. I did it. <laughs> Total opposite of me. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, and that was kind of the thing. Like, I enjoyed, like, in high school, like, like, friends I made in elementary and junior high and high school, I'm still friends with today. Same with college. So, I mean, like, college was not, my mother was very strict, but I still was very active in school. I, I wasn't as involved socially, I think, as I would have liked. My mother was very strict. But in terms of, like, school and being active, like, I, I still enjoyed high school and then was, of course, a lot freer in college once I went to, once I went to college. 
when it came time for graduation, there was definitely a thing after college where I think I had been saying that I was going to go to law school because I was like expected, you know, it just was like people like, oh, you'd be good at it. You should go to law school. I, I was an English major, but I knew I, in the back of my mind, I didn't really want to go to law school. But again, it was kind of like, well, what else? You know, I, I was doing some music things on the side, but still was very much like, okay, let me just be safe. I graduated from college, you know, did not want to take the LSAT and get ready for law school. So I ended up um, being offered a position with the university as a recruiter. So the summer after I graduated, I traveled and, you know, talked to like, you know, was recruiting high school students and like top seniors for to come to the university. Then that contract ended at the end of the summer. So I was like, okay, I've got to like either get a real job or go to grad school. Like, what am I doing? And at the time, there was a new governor that had recently been elected in Alabama and I had worked on his campaign and I'd worked on a lot of political campaigns. Montgomery's the capital. So they're like, my friend's dads were judges or like representatives. So that was kind of like also the thing you did. Like you worked on campaigns. You did a lot of volunteer work. Wasn't what I did. (laughs) (laughs) So for like me and my friends, that's, you know, that was like what we did. And um, so I was actually offered a position. I was able to interview and ended up being offered a position within the governor's cabinet. I was one of the youngest members of the governor's cabinet. Wow. Um, I was the executive assistant to the commissioner. It was like, it sounds very fancy. As I look back, I was like, it really wasn't. But I was the executive assistant to the commissioner of children's affairs. It was a brand new department that the governor had created. And I helped basically create that office. Was doing, helping with a lot of fundraising. I did a lot of advance work. You know, it just, it was a really interesting time because I mean, I'd never, you know, volunteering for a campaign is one thing, but actually like working in politics and being an appointed member, you know, of someone's like, not to say cabinet, but of their, I guess their staff, you know, you get to see like the inner workings. And at a very young age, I think I was maybe 20, I started college at 17. I think I was 21 when I graduated. So I was like, when maybe 21 when I started that job. And bought a hat. Like it was just very much. I was kind of like playing grown up. Wow. Like I bought a house. I was, you know, working for the governor. Like you know, going to conferences and like just very much doing like this like job thing. And um, was volunteering and speaking. Like I was a surrogate for presidential campaigns. Like traveling, doing all this stuff. So I really thought at that point wow. I would be going to DC. Like that's really what I thought. And when you took that job and started, like I, it sounds like it wasn't like oh. One always thought of a life in politics for myself or anything. It was just like no. this opportunity came up. Like, oh yeah, this seems like a great job for a college graduate. Like, yeah, that sort of thing. Definitely, and it's something I talk a lot about in my book, Step Up, Step Out, and Shine. Like at that stage of my life, like I was good at things. So it was one of those things. It wasn't that it was like I felt like it was my life's calling, but I was good at it. So a lot of opportunities tended to fall in my lap because I was good at things, not necessarily because I was passionate or felt called to do them. But, you know, like politics was a lot like entertainment. It just was, you know, it's about relationships and being able to interact with people and having a certain amount of charisma. And if you actually have some intelligence and can kind of follow some directions and do some work, like you can kind of do well. So it, I think I saw where life could go. And it, it wasn't very challenging, but it was just kind of like, but everybody else was like, oh my God, this is like a great job. You should be so excited. I was just like, well, you know, you're young. So you're just like, okay. You know, around that time though, I was still on the weekends, like driving to Atlanta because I still was a singer. And I, what I really wanted to do was record and sing, but that wasn't something you could do in, Al- you know, in Alabama. But at the time, Atlanta was where things were, you know, definitely happening for music and specifically for black music. So I would work during the week, drive to Atlanta on the weekends, like, you know, like be in the studio, like recording music. And was that like on your own too? Or like, were you working, like people are like, oh, producer, whatever. It's like, you've got talent. Or were you like putting yourself out there? Like, yeah, I was putting myself out there and kind of like, you know, relationships with friends who knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody. I would meet different producers and I was writing because I was a songwriter. So I was just kind of like, you know, doing what I could on the weekends to like further this dream, not really seeing where I could bring the two together. <laughs> but I was like, I knew I wanted to leave Alabama, but at the same time, I did not necessarily see how that could happen. But I also was like in my mind, like, well, this is the safest way. I'll still work during the week. I'll drive up on the weekends and like be in the studio and record and then come back and like put a navy blue suit on and like go to work on Monday. I mean, it was only something I think you can do when you're in your 20s because if you like think about it now, I was like, this makes absolutely There are some things I look back now, like I was so in my like early 20s, like, wow, how was I doing all of that? Where right, all I of get these the things. Right. Exactly. Well, first of all, just the energy portion. Like, let's just start there. Like, dude, how was I having the energy to do this? So, 
But I kind of life again, the kind of get through me a curveball. I was um, at an NBA All Star weekend in DC, like going to hang out, and my cousin, I, I had reconnected with one of my cousins who was there. And she had gone to NYU and was like living in New York and like did a lot of marketing and stuff in the entertainment business. And like we had I'd gone to hang out with her for that weekend, met a bunch of her friends from New York. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so fun. I would love, you know, it's so much more in my mind, like exciting than, you know, what I was doing. And through my cousin, I got connected with the producer and she told him like, oh, my cousin sings like she wants to be a singer. And, you know, I met this producer and he was someone that was really popular at the time, you know, and had like a lot of popular songs on the radio and like all these things. And over the next few months, we stayed connected and he linked me with some other producers who were like equally, if not more popular, who were putting together a girl group. And mind you, I'm still working in the governor's office, uh, but they flew me to New York. I auditioned and I think within a week and a half later, I like quit my job and like left my house and like moved to New York and kind of started what is now like the journey that has led me, you know, to where I am today. So this whole time, so you're working nine to five in the governor's office and you're going to Atlanta like on your own. I'm guessing like family and friends know that you're doing that, right? And like sort of like pursuing music on the side. And what were people like telling you about that? You know, like. My friends are very supportive. Uh, my family, I've always been like very independent in terms of like what I wanted to do. So I wasn't, I've never really been someone that like would check in with my family. Like, do you think this is okay? Or this, do you think this is a good idea? Not a good idea. So it, I, I know my family knows that I was doing it, but even now as I think back on it, I was like, I don't know if they actually said anything. Cause I didn't really create space for them to say anything. If that makes sense. Yeah. I get you. It was just, it was like, if I wanted to do it, I did it. And especially at that point, like I was like, I pay my own bills. I own a home. Like I live on my own. So, you know, it, it wasn't really, it never occurred to me that I needed like my family's like to check in with them to see like what they thought about it. Yeah. Well, I was just, I'm, a lot of people would offer their opinions regardless of you checking in. And so that's like, and if that came up and how it affected you. It definitely didn't. I think it's like, again, I think that wasn't like the space that I created for that. So it was just like, I feel like my family, even now, they just know like Africa, like I've just always been very self-aware, even as a very young child, like I was always very verbal. I was, I just could always just speak and say what I wanted and what I thought and was kind of very sure in that. So it was like, well, of course she's probably off doing something else on the week. It just, I don't know. Like it just seemed, and nobody really had much to say, but my friends were definitely my support system in terms of like, you know, riding with me or coming with me, you know, on the weekends or like knowing what I was doing or introducing me to people that they knew and like that kind of thing. Like they definitely played a like a really big role in it and were super supportive. Yeah. Cause that's, I mean, I get that I've been like that a lot too, like the headstrong and sort of like, well, your opinion doesn't even matter anyway. But like at the same time, you can get them and they can affect people differently or in some ways make you be more like, well, I'll show you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Me have, have had that experience. Yeah. I've always just been very, it was, I think growing up in Alabama, you just recognize that if you're going to stay, you're going to stay. And if you're going to get out, you've got to figure out how to get out. Like nobody's going to get you out. Like you've got to figure it out. So I think I just always knew that, like, I knew I wanted to leave, like, even as I was taking the jobs and like, even buying my house, it was just kind of like, buying the house was like, let me just see if I can get it kind of thing. It wasn't like, I never thought that I was like, oh, I'm going to live in this house like for a very long time. I just had a lot of money from graduation and my friends are getting married. I didn't want to get married. So I was like, oh, let me see if I can get a house. Like somebody was like, oh, you should buy a house. I was like, okay. And like, I didn't know that it's like first time home buyers is like all this stuff, like they make it really easy for you. So I really kind of bought a house. That, it, like I did, it was all like, again, more things falling in my lap. I didn't even really have to spend much money to even get the house because if you're a first time home buyer, like they kind of give you a house in a, in a weird way. <laughs> it was very strange. I was just like, I'm 22 years old. I have like a three bedroom, two bath house. Like <laughs> I was like, okay. But I let, you know, but when the opportunity came and it like presented itself to leave, I very much was like, okay, I'm out. Like one of my girlfriends was like staying with me. She stayed there. I think my mother ended up leaving her house, moved in my house. Now we rent it. You still have it. Yeah, I still own it. Yeah. Like I have renters right now. Like I still own the house. So like I, it, you know, it was, I think another example of like my life of just like, okay, like something happens. And I'm just like, of course I bought a house, like, and then left it. Like, I don't know. And so then when you said you, okay, you flew to New York and like had the audition. Mm-hmm. And also, was that you a week later, like, all right, I'm doing it. Like, I'm just going to New York. Had you after the audition or whatever had, like, I'm definitely making it? Or was it just more of like, you were then like put in this different space and like, were able to like see that, you know? 
Well, what that was, was like this, these producers are putting together a girl group. So I was the girl from the South. They had a girl from New York and a girl from LA. And so when they basically were like, they wanted me in the group, they were bringing us to live. So when you moved, you were like, I'm joining a girl group, not just like I had an audition. You were like, right. I'm yeah, in. yeah, exactly. Okay. Like it was very much like, so like they had a house for us. Like we were living in this house. Like we were starting to record. Like, so I left going from like my house to like a house living essentially with like strangers and so like go be a star in quotes. Yeah, what was that like when you're just with oh, two God. girls you've never was... met and we're going to be the next? Like... I mean, it was a lot. Like the girls were great. Like the, it, what people expected to be like the part that was horrible were the girls. And like the girls were great. That's good. But what was super stressful for me was like getting in that situation. It was very, very hard because again, I was coming from like a very a situation to some degree where I had very much celebrated and coddled and like everything you do is great to like a situation where that was really challenging for me. Like I had to really work, you know, a lot of things about the group weren't a fit for me personally, but I was trying to just make it work because again, like this is such a great, again, some, you know, it's like in life, it's a great opportunity. This is it. This is the opportunity. Right. I can't never like, like say oh, no like, to this. Like you made it. Meanwhile, I'm like, I'm miserable. Like I, I hate everything about it. Like I hate how, I, cause I had to change my hair. I had to change my clock. I had to change like so much stuff about myself. Right. I make up if they're producers, we're going to create a girl group. Then they're like, not wow we found amazing talent and we're gonna let you bloom like this is no. what we are gonna mold you into what we want and so you're gonna need to look like this and sound like this exactly you <laughs> exactly I mean it was also like a lesson that kind of came back up again for me later in life is that if you don't really know who you are and what you want then you, people are just gonna like you know make you be this thing and so that was like my first experience with that and it definitely was like really miserable like it was great and I learned a lot and I made a lot of really good connections that I even still have to this day. But the experience was like, so, it was so stressful. And I think it lasted about like maybe six months. And then producers really liked me. The other one like hated me. He just was like, I think you're like, basically it was like, I think you're whack. I think you're hard. Like it was, it was like, one was like, I think you're great. One was like, I think you're horrible. So like, that's also like the dynamic I'm like trying to function in. So my self-esteem is like all over the place. I'm like, I thought I was talented. Maybe I'm not talented. And I think it was anywhere, somewhere between like six or eight months of like living in the house like one of the, they basically were just like, they've decided to go in another direction and like, they didn't want me in the group anymore and that they were going to do something else with me separate, which of course never happened. And so I ended up moving to Brooklyn to go sleep on Cause we were living right in Jersey, like right across the water, you know, from the city. And I ended up moving in with my cousin, like sleeping on her couch. Cause then it's like, well, I'm here now. I had a little yeah. bit of money like left over from the situation. And then I was just like, well, I'm not going back to Alabama. Like, I'm at least I'm here and let me like figure it out. So I just started like super networking and like, you know, falling into like nightlife of New York and like, you know, met producers, was in the studio, started performing, put a band together. And that just, and like, and that was like the next, like probably like five or six years, like temping and like made friends and, you know, just kind of threw myself into like that starving artist, like life in New York. Like, Got it. Like doing everything to like, yeah. yeah. So temping, making anything to make the money, but then also putting yourself out there exactly. singing, I'm going to be a musician. Right. Like, or I'm a musician. Exactly. Yeah. Singer and stuff like that. So yeah, just like full on. All right. I'm here. <laughs> no, exactly. Cause I was just like, cause if not, it's like, we'll go back to Alabama. And I was like, well, what we're not doing is that. So, you know, and just went from there and just like, kind of like held on for dear life and kept going. Yeah. So then what happened after I like, did you then have a big break? Did you end up changing to be like, okay, I would want to be more, more opportunities fall in your lap that made you then start to get in different things? Or did you start to see, oh, I want to do this. Or At that point, it was still very much just like scramble, doing everything, doing everything, doing everything. I went to LA for like six months because one of my girlfriends had like moved back home. And so I went out there, was like waitressing. And because I was also like acting, you know, like I was doing, I was doing all the things, you know, that you do. I ended up, it's so funny. I was like, I don't know if anyone's a Scientologist, but if you look back and probably, like, I ended up like starring in like all of these like videos for like the Church of Scientology because they had a production company and you don't know when you're auditioning what it is until you're there and you're like, wait, what? But they were super nice and they don't try to, like no one tried to convert you or anything. Just, I feel like I'm surprised though that they don't like are not hiring Scientologists to be in their videos though. <laughs> they weren't. Here's it. They might be now, but at that time they were not. You know, and I worked with them a lot. I was like waitressing in LA. So like, and then came back to New York and um, stayed there for like six months, but I was like dating some guy in New York. And I was like, I have to come back to New York. It's like, you know, whatever. And came back to New York. And then a few months after that, I was still performing. Like, again, like it had a lot of almost, like I'm doing all these showcases and people are interested. But again, it's just a lot of almost. So I was just, again, like almost, I'm in the studio, I'm writing, I'm recording. People are like, we like it, but. 
you know, just still doing that whole cycle. And then right when I was kind of ready to like hang it all up, I got a friend of mine sent me an email like, oh, there's this contest you should enter. And at the time, this was a little over 10 years ago. So this was kind of before, I think like American Idol had just started, but we weren't like where we are now, where it's just like a contest for everything every day. Like social media wasn't even really a thing, thing, you know, yet. And it was a competition to sing with Justin Timberlake at the Grammys. Oh. And I was like, well, this is cool. And so all, and it was like this thing with Yahoo and the Grammys. And so basically you had to like upload a video of yourself. They gave you like four or five songs to pick and you had to just upload a video of yourself, like singing one of the songs. And they had all these different, like you would make it from like this group and you know, they would whittle it down, whittle it down, whittle it down. And so I didn't think anything of it. Like, and just also date myself. Like this is even like my laptop. I had like an external camera on my laptop. Like right, that's so right. So I like record this. It's like some Alicia Keys song. I record myself singing it. I upload it. Don't think anything of it. Then I get an email from like Yahoo and like the Grammys saying I need to fill out all this paperwork because I've made it to like the semifinal. And I was like the semifinals of what? And so they had to do all this background check stuff because I guess at that point it was opening up where the actual Grammy members were going to vote. And so... I'm still not thinking anything of it. I'm just like, whatever. Then I get another message. Okay, you've made it from like that next group down to like the top five. And the top five uh, was like, our names got announced during the Super Bowl. We went, they brought us out to LA. You know, we met Justin. We did People Magazine. We did like all this prep. Like it started, then, and then I was like, oh, maybe this is real. Like they had, they introduced us on like Good Morning America. It was like this whole like craziness. And then people had to vote. And again, this is before like Twitter and Instagram where it would be very easy to like get people to do this. I had to like start like the email campaign of life and friends because people had to like literally, you know, log on to Yahoo, right. vote, vote multiple times. So I had like my sorority sisters and friends from elementary school, like family, like, so this is like the caravan of people because to get to the, like to, to the, to the final three, they had to, you had to get, you know, had to vote. And so, you know, we're getting, we had about like a week and a half or two weeks to do this. Got everybody voting, 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 voting. And oh, so that's what it was. They announced the final three. Our names were announced like during the Super Bowl. And I remember, so I remember being at home in my apartment in New York and like just sitting waiting because, you know, you don't know. Oh, right. You didn't even know. Right. Because we didn't know. And they announced it. And so then that meant the three of us, I was, so I was a finalist and it was three of us and they brought us back to L.A. We were there for Grammy week. We had to rehearse because, you know, you didn't know who was going to quote unquote win because the winner was supposed to be announced live during the show. So we did the Grammy parties, walked the red carpets at front row, did, you know, like rehearse with Justin and the band, did all of this stuff. Wow. So you really did not know who no. was going to win until you're walking on stage that night? Until you're sitting in the audience. Wow. We're sitting in the audience, like like on front row at the Grammys, and you're like waiting, and the and the camera's on you, and it's like, and it's not you. So I was like, great, and it's just like this sucks. And so you're like clapping for the person that's not you. She performs, whatever. And a week later, I was back in New York, like at my tent job, and I was like, oh god, like, like a week prior, I'm in like a, what a ride. Yeah, yeah. I'm like I'm in like diamonds and like wearing like a gorgeous dress on the red carpet at the Grammys, and then like a week later, I'm like at Cushman and Wakefield, like answering phones, and I was like, okay, I have to figure something else out because I'm a, I have a college degree, and like really, what you know, what am I doing? And I did. I left New York. Like I would say, maybe like eight months later, I left New York and moved to Atlanta, and like stopped music like stopped everything creative for almost a year and a half two years oh wow and so then did you just like look for any like secure job then or you just like okay I guess it's just time for me to like get real and whatever and <laughs> well yes and no one of my good friends her family is one of the few black families that owns uh, beauty supply stores and has a chain of them so they had a store in Minneapolis because most of the stores are owned um, by uh, Koreans and other like Asians they're not that many like blacks or African Americans that actually own these stores even though they're in our communities so her family um, had opened a store almost 30 years ago now in Minneapolis and they had one in Arizona and they were going to expand to Atlanta and so she was like you know do you want to come down and help me open the store and I was like you know what this is perfect timing you know, and I know Atlanta, it's two hours away from Alabama. I'll be close to my family. I'm ready to leave New York and let's do it. So we literally threw ourselves into like opening the store and the store ended up doing extremely well. Like, you know, all the celebs in Atlanta would come shop, all the housewives, like film, TV people, you know, so, but we threw ourselves into really like building up the store. It was a gorgeous store. 
And we kind of brought the New York and LA shopping aesthetic to Atlanta. You would have cocktails while you shopped. And, you know, even though you're shopping for hair and for hair extensions, it was very much like that boutique, like Rodeo or like Soho experience. Got it. Like a whole experience, not just a hair shop. Instead of just coming in and like, all right, I need this, I need that. And like people would sit down and we would serve you champagne while you shopped and we would have events. Like it kind of, even though I wasn't doing things creative in that way, it was a way for me to still kind of have that outlet. And it really, I'd taken the stress off of myself of like trying to like do whatever. And one day, because I was managing the store and then one day a girl came in and I was ringing her up and we were just chit-chatting. She was like, oh, she was like, do you model? And I was like, no, I was like, girl, I'm like five, four. Like, what are you talking about? And she's like, no, she's like, I mean, like commercial, like print. And I guess I never really knew about that world because again, in New York, when you hear model, you think like, you know, model. Yeah. I didn't know anything at that point about the world of like, and I wasn't really even like actively trying to act either, you know, that much. So I didn't really, I didn't know anything about like auditioning for commercials or print work or things like that. And she was like, you should go to my agency. She's like, they have a lot of great print work and like commercials. And I said, well, what's the agency? She gave me their info. I looked them up and they did it. They had an open call, I think once or twice a month. I went, they signed me. And I think within like a month I had booked my first like ad campaign (laughs) and and then never stopped working like to this day. And that's also, you're like late twenties at this time? No, at this point I was 30. Yeah. So you're in your 30. So that's like, people don't think like, I'm 15 and I'm not, or like, I'm not 15 years old and six foot tall and weigh a hundred pounds or like, no, and it was, but it was like literally my life changed. But like with that in my, like at like 33, 34, like I started booking like ad campaigns, hair campaigns, beauty campaigns, commercials. Like I've done commercials for everybody. I booked film, I booked TV. And it was just, I was like, how in the world is my, like, like all of the things it started giving me access to like all of the things that I ever wanted to do like later in life. Meanwhile, I was like, I spent all my twenties, like dying in New York. I was like, I could have been like maybe doing this earlier and not been so poor and eating pizza, like (laughs) slices of pizza. But it really changed. Like it really changed. Like that changed my life. Like a hundred percent. And then like, so you're not expecting like, yeah, first you're like, no, I'm five, four. I can't be a model. And then you go, okay, that, and they book it. So then also like that experience, I make up from, you know, being singing and being, you know, in those sorts of pressure and like performing for people and stuff like that. They probably have some ways to cope, but also like our minds can go like, yeah, you can be like, no, I'm not a model. Like what? No, I'm like, you know, I'm 30, whatever. I'm not this. Like, how was that adjusting to then being a hired model and like on set? Like it's one thing to get hired and then you're there like, okay. I know, like, oh, I'm taking my, okay. <laughs> my first shoot was like, felt great, like, because it was a group. So that felt super easy. But my second one was like a major campaign where I was more the focus and it was a hair campaign. And I remember feeling like I, I, and that is where I felt like the pressure. Like I felt like, oh God, like I didn't like, it just was. It's like act natural. You're like, no, right. Just, like I'm just imagining. I felt super out of my depth. But what's crazy about it is that that, those ads are literally, like I shot that over 10 years ago. I still get paid from those ads today. Those pictures are still literally all over the world. People, my friends that are like in Africa that Amazing. are traveling will take a pic, like, li- like still see those ads like today. And that was really a turning point for me. It was like, I got booked. And at the time I had also transitioned. I'd stopped relaxing my hair. So my hair was big and curly. I had it blown out now, but like, that was also the first time I was like kind of stepping into like what, you know, like who I really was. And that was the thing that changed my life. Like I got booked, not like I, it became like Africa in the hair. Like, and it literally, I was in one of the, so I helped launch for this brand cream of nature. That's a really like legacy brand for African-American hair, but this was their first time showcasing natural hair and like really going for that market. So I was one of the faces that helped launch that campaign. Then another, I booked another campaign with another company called ORS. So I was, I started one of the first natural hair commercials on national television. It just was like, after that, after that, after that, like after that, it was like one after the other, after the other. And do you remember, like, I don't know a lot, obviously as a white woman, but in talking to other black women, the the hair, yeah, is a big deal. And that, yeah, like you were saying, like coming to like, okay, letting it be natural and stuff. So how did that show up for like, I'm guessing at first when you're going out on auditions again, you're sort of like, well, whatever, I might not get this. So maybe you don't really care. But then as you start to book, like, yeah, do you start to then question what are they expecting from me? What do I look like on this audition? Like, do I wear my hair natural or, you know, like. I learned early on, like, wear curly because the, the one or handful of times I would wear it straight because, you know, my comp card, it was curly. They would be like, well, can you um, like it, I used to joke. I was like, do people like me like or my hair? But they I mean, the the hair became 
in the thing. And it definitely, like, even to this day, like, in my hair is my calling card. Like, like they, like when people think of me, they think of the, my hair. When I travel around the world, people will stop me and be like, hey, it's Africa. We knew it was you because your hair. So I, I learned that it was, I mean, there were times where I was just kind of like, you know, a little over it. But I also was like, well, I'm super thankful that my life changed when I started being myself, like, and fully myself. Because you hadn't in those years of, like, singing and stuff. Right. You were not you're wearing your hair like that. Um, Sometimes I was, but not. I was not committed to like the process because it's also, I think, an, an internal thing that happens, like especially for women of color when we make when we make that transition into kind of like literally like wearing the hair that grows out of our head. Like I was very much doing a more, you know, especially with music, a more like traditional look, like straight, longer hair extensions, like, you know, that that look that you kind of are told like has to be the look. And I do look back, think back sometimes, like what would my life have been if I had started being myself earlier? But you know what, you know, it, I, things also unfold like as they should. So it, it definitely like my thirties became, especially at that point, it unlocked like the doors to my life and like all of the experiences. I ended up getting a chance to start performing. I joined a corporate band, which again, I didn't, I started finding out in Atlanta about like all of these things that I didn't know anything about. So apparently there are like bands that play for like high end weddings and corporate events that pay like, you know, whatever. I used to be a live sound engineer and I mostly toured with concerts, but we would sometimes do corporate events. Yeah. And it'd be like, so-and-so's Procter and Gamble's having a party. Exactly. And like, yeah, it's like an all-star band performs. Or, yeah. Right. <laughs> well, I ended up, I met, I did, a, I was doing a favor for a friend who needed a singer for like a jazz event. And at the time I hadn't sung or done anything in like a couple of years. Like I was, you know, acting, I was modeling a lot, doing a lot of commercials doing all that, but I still hadn't gone back to music. I'd really let it go. And I was like, oh, I do, you know, they need, I'll do a favor. Sure. I can go sing a couple songs at this like jazz event, whatever. Cause it you know, it was something small. It wasn't anything that I was like promoting and it had nothing to do with me. So that felt good because it was anonymous. And I met some of the musicians and like, we kind of hit it off and they were like are you doing any like gigs around the city are you performing and I was like no like I just moved to Atlanta like within the last year and I'm not doing you know I hadn't this is the first like thing I've done with music and they were like well we perform like they're like we tour but we also work with the corporate band and they're like they're putting together like a girl group or like a, a show like fronted by like they're looking for five girls to like front this band and we'd love you know they're like it's great money you travel and they're like it's a lot of fun and I was like well okay you know sure they introduced me to the owners of the band. I auditioned. I think um, they had found, like, they were putting all the girls together. I think they put all of us, this was, like, 20, December of 2010. I think we had our first rehearsal and first gig. And then over the next, like, five years, we performed all over the world. That's real high-level corporate. Yeah, it's not yeah, just, like, like we, the local. We, yeah, like, I performed in, like, in, in Doha and in, in Africa, like, in every state, probably in the U.S., and Bahamas, Puerto Rico. Like, you know, we performed, like, everywhere. and. So I got to like live out a lot of those dreams that I had only like looked at happening one way. And there was a moment where I looked up one day and I was like, oh, you know, you realize sometimes when you're saying to yourself like the dreams and things that you hold and that you want, when you separate like how they have to happen, you'll look up and realize that you might have actually accomplished a lot of them without even realizing it because they don't look like what you thought. Yeah. And at that point, there was a point in time where like I had like commercials on TV, billboards up. I was in magazines, I was performing every weekend and I was still going to the hair, like, and I still was like running, you know, managing the boutique during the week. Like, but I was very happy because I was just like, like every part of me, you know, was being fed. Yeah, that's so great. And yeah, I'm guessing with that corporate band like that's then you're doing like cover songs. Yeah, right? exactly. So yeah, yeah. They hire you performing like they're having a party. So yeah, you're playing like hit songs and people are dancing and like having a great time. So you're not out there like singing your own songs. I'm like, like that, selling but, your soul and hoping. But someone- yeah, like you're having fun and you're entertaining people. And there's also like not the pressure of like what do I look like in my image in the media? And exactly. I mean, with that, like, yeah. So it's sort of like, yeah, you got to like live like your dream and joy of performing. And then in many ways without the added stresses. No, a hundred percent. Like it was so freeing to just like, and we did like, it was a very much like, since it was five women, they they really kind of built it like a Vegas style show. So we had great costumes and costume changes and fun. And we all looked different. Like it was just, it was a lot of fun. And it very, like you said, it took away the stress of, you know, when you're an artist and trying to get signed and trying to get what it, it's very much like you are like bearing your soul. Like it is very yeah, much love like, me. Like, it's really- <laughs> you know, and not knocking that. But I also was like, I had lost my love of music and performing. I'd lost it because every moment had to mean so much and it had to mean everything. And it, you needed to work because you had no money and you had no, this, you know, so it was like, 
I was also at that point in my life, once you start, I think as a creative too, to start getting, and I don't mean success in the sense of like a millionaire, because it was not that by any means. But I was at that point, I was absolutely a working talent. I was regularly booking print work. I was regularly booking commercials. I was working at the store. So I had that. I bought a new car. I had a nice car. You know, it was like, I was feeling very much more accomplished just as a person. So it was like, I could walk into, like, I know why I was booking and doing well at these auditions because I was walking in with a different energy. I was not so desperate walking in the room. I was just enjoying and very thankful for the opportunity to audition. I didn't need it to pay my rent because my rent was paid. I didn't need to know what it felt like to book something because I had booked something. Like I didn't need to know what it felt like to like to get chosen because I was getting chosen. So I realized that walking into those rooms with different energy, people respond to you differently. Yes. Versus like, pick me, please tell me that I'm enough for you, that I'm worthy of being chosen. Or like, you know what I mean? And not realizing that that subconsciously that can turn off a like it, it absolutely can turn off a yeah it has an energy to it, it and does. a lot of times we are not aware that we are projecting that out there 100% so like that time in my life like i was very very sad like satisfied for the first time like ever and i had never knew what it felt like to be satisfied cuz i was always like reaching for you know what i mean like reaching for something so it was great to like finally for a moment you know feel satisfied and then so you're talking about past now. So I'm guessing not all of those things are happening <laughs> yeah. right now. And that, yeah, like where, and feel free to go backwards if mm-hmm. we skip over, but like, yeah, so you have written this book and like, what was the inspiration or like for you feeling like I must write that someone, or unless it's somebody ask you to write the book, that also happens. But mm-hmm. like, where did that come from? And when did that happen for you? I started working on the book in 27, like end of 2016, 2017. Um, but it kind of came after, so also in the middle of that, like living in Atlanta, all that performing and things happened. I ended up being on a reality show on Bravo. Oh yeah. That's also like, that's like a little blip that happened in the midst of that. So I was doing kind of all this stuff. I knew a lot like that in this time, like reality shows are also like starting to blow up in Atlanta. And I knew a lot of that had met a lot of the producers because they were all coming like pro- practically every reality show in Atlanta had filmed in our store as well, because oh. it was, it was such a cute location. It was pink and black and white, you know, it, and, and also we probably all the women on every show has probably come and bought hair there. So people knew who we were. We'd even shot a pilot for the store, oh. you know, so it was very much like we were kind of in that loop of production. But like, like I said, we had shot a pilot for like the show, like around the store and like the employees, whatever. It didn't get picked up. But um, I remember one of the producers had reached out to my girlfriend that owned it um, about a dating show and if she was interested in being on the show. And at the time she was dating the guy who's now her husband. So she was like, well, I'm, you know, in a relationship. She's like, but, you know, you should, you know, I, I think Africa would be perfect. And so she introduced me to the producers and I sat down with them and that was kind of the rest is history. Ended up being on the show. We had one season, thank God. But that was like a turning point for me because two things happen. I mean, it's, it's, you know, being in commercials and, and print modeling is very much anonymous. Like you're, you know, people are like, Oh, you're in the ad. Like my friends know, and they're happy to see it, but nobody's like stopping you being like, you're in that hair ad and right. you know, in essence magazine this month. Like it's, that's not happening. But, and also at this time, so a couple of things were kind of happening all at once. Instagram had just switched over to becoming a social media app. Like I joined Instagram very early when it was a photo editing app. Me too. Yeah. My, yeah. I was like, I yeah. just got my first iPhone. What do I need to edit it? And people were like Instagram. And then I'm like, why are people liking my edit? That's weird. And then all of a sudden one day I opened it back up and I was like, people like, I was like, what do you mean people like, like, why are people liking this filter? Exactly. And I had been on Twitter very early. Like I've been on Twitter since 08. So I mean, I was always been someone naturally that was like adept at social media, but just for entertainment purposes. Like I would live, you know, I was part like part of black Twitter. We would live tweet things and like very much that early community of what Twitter was. But I didn't recognize like, you know, how we could use social media now, like these brand building tools and all this stuff. It was just, again, it was something that came to me like easily. I understood it. I did it well. So even on Instagram, like I think when the show started, I might've had like a few thousand followers, but like nothing crazy. And then when the show happened, of course, you know, your following grows, you're on the show, it's on Bravo. And I think in my mind, I was like, this is going to be the big break because the Grammy contest was supposed to be the big break, you know, but it wasn't, but this is going to be the big break. What it was, was like, hell, (laughs) it was great in the sense that you can't beat having like a million plus people watch you on television every week if you have other goals and things that you want for yourself. Like to this day, there are still opportunities that I get because people are like, we loved you on the show. We, you know, we still follow you, whatever, whatever. People that buy my book, that purchase my products, like are from the base that I built on that show. So I'll never regret that. But what I will say is that 
I didn't have a plan. I just was like, I'm going to be on TV. Like, and that's going to equal, that's going to miraculously make all of these other things that I think I want to do, like fall into place. Well, it doesn't work like that because like reality TV is hell and producers are just there to kind of like, you know, yeah, create these little situations, like these Machiavellian situations that they need for entertainment. And I was naive in the sense that because I, I, I'm like, I'm an actress, I'm on set. Like I, thought that I was much more prepared. And yes, I'm prepared to be on a set and I know what things do, but I had never, reality TV is a totally different animal. Yeah. You weren't prepared for them to take you, Africa, right. and turn you into a character. Exactly. For what they think will drive ratings. <laughs> no, exactly. And like, you think that you, you're, that you're like prepared for it and you're not. So I wasn't prepared for that. I was not prepared for like backlash and for people being like horrible on social, like, and it also changed my approach to social because I was somebody that had been like, you know, because I think everybody like at that time, like you're, you can be a little snarky on social and like just be whatever. But like until it happens to you, it, it totally changed my approach to like what I said and like how I like behaved on social media because I was like, oh, like and because I know if I met any of these same people in person, they'd be like, oh, my God, it's so great to meet you. Like, I love the show. But on social, it's like she's like the worst part. Like it was like people would say like, it's like you're not real on social media. <laughs> You're a character. Totally. And it really just like to some degree almost like gave me PTSD. Like it was, it was like, it was so bad. And just like realizing that you do give up so much of your space and your time. And I think not by no means was I anybody's like level of like real famous, but it did change from like, you're not as anonymous as you were before. And like living in New York where like, it's like a city where people watch, like, like you think about the markets that watch these shows. So it was like, I would be on the subway, like going to do whatever and somebody's like hey so I, you're just like it was very disconcerting because I'm like I'm not rich like I'm just here like living my little life and like that would happen I was still you know even living in Atlanta like you know you're going to the grocery store right? I was at the airport getting off a flight and like was sick and like I wasn't prepared for that and it makes you like realize what is it that you want do you want financial success do you just want right. fame do you want you know, as a creative, you just want an outlet to create more at a higher level. Like, you know, because there's a lot of ways that you can be famous. And I recognize that like after doing that show, I was like, one, I would never relinquish control of my life and my story ever again. And two, I was like, I don't know that I want everybody all in my business. <laughs> like also that. Yeah. No, I'm glad that you said that because I was wondering when you said like, oh, when you got the show, then you were like, this is it. That, right. Like, what did that even, you know, like a lot of times too, it's like, yeah, we don't even know. Like, this is it. Like, what does that even what, mean? What like, is yeah. it? Do I think that is now like, this is it. My life is like made for ne like, yeah, I never have another worry. And like, I had all no my dreams plan. My plan was just like, well, I'm going to be on TV. And like, my, I'm going to look pretty. And like, it's going to like, you know, it's going to somehow miraculously that's going to like translate into a career. No. But it did unlock for me understanding the power of social media and digital media. Because it was because it was the first time I would say a couple months after the show was the first time a brand paid me to post on social media. And that put a light bulb on for me. I was like, well, this is stuff I was going to post and talk about anyway. And I just kind of at that point started being mindful of like, there's something here. I didn't know what it was yet, but I was like, there's something here. I decided to leave Atlanta, move back to New York because I also felt like I was not being challenged. Like I was like, I'm here. I did the show. The show didn't get renewed. I'm just doing my gigs on the weekend. I was still booking commercials and booking print work. And so a lot of people was like, why would you leave if you're kind of like set and you're mm -hmm. here working? But I remember the day that I booked something that I didn't even have to show up to the audition for and something about it. But I was like, I'm not Beyonce. I'm not Mariah Carey. Like I'm not as successful as I think I like, it was just, I don't know. Something about it just felt like I'm not working hard enough and I'm getting too comfortable. And I just felt like I needed to be challenged more. And it was not going to happen at that point in my life if I stayed in Atlanta. So I moved back to New York and really in some ways started over and just kind of reimmersed myself in New York and like just really trying to figure out at that point, like, what did I want my life to look like? What did I want to do? I knew I wanted to do more hosting. I knew I was, again, I was trying to understand digital and around that same time, uh, Periscope launched. And oh, right. Forgot about that platform. I know I, I joined, I probably joined Periscope like the third day it existed just on a whim. It was coming down my Twitter feed. I was like, what's this? And it was again, just like divine timing. It literally was something like, like I did extremely well at it and it changed my life. Like I was one of the top people on the app. I was nominated like for Periscope over the year for a shorty award. I've spoken at conferences. I started teaching people. It just, it opened up like literally my career and my life. And I started understanding the power of building community and what that meant on social of building a brand 
of how you could then like leverage that into financial opportunities, speaking opportunities, branding. And then from there, I went from like scrambling to hoping to get, you know, to booking work to like building my own production company that like started grossing, like, you know, like actually it was like, oh, okay, now I can be in control of my story. And, you know, Periscope came and went really fast, but what it did for me was life changing. And what did you, cause Periscope is like, Live streaming, live streaming, right? yes. Like, yeah, you just pick up your phone, whatever. On, I guess, yeah, like IG Live now, but different sort of. But that's what they ripped off. And so, yeah, it's not recorded videos. You're like, you're just going live. And so, what did you like when you're realizing, like, okay, I have an audience here? Then, like, what did you make it be about? Because yeah, for people to keep showing up, yeah. you have to be like sharing something that people yeah. want to be showing up for. Well, it was a few things. I think people that do well at live streaming are naturally engaging. And because I was a performer, it was a perfect medium for me. Like, it was like, okay, I get to like, and that was one, but that was also something that I learned from being on the reality show. One of the things that the head of the network told me when the show didn't get renewed, they were like, one thing we want you to know, they were like, we're not renewing the show, but they were like, when we ran the numbers, they were like, people connected to you. They liked you. They wanted you to do well. They wanted to know how you were doing. They were like, there was something, you know, and I, they were like, hold on to that because that's going to serve you forever. And that was something that I knew my whole life. Like, it's kind of like the joke. I was like, I was like, I feel like I'm still homecoming queen. Like, it's like that thing of like, you learn how to kind of harness what your light is. And like, I'm always like, that's something that I've always been able to do in, in, in most situations is like, there's been something about me that I've recognized from a very young age that connects to people, you know, that, that I'm able to just create those bonds and live streaming at that, you know, was something that I was able to do. I would just be on there sometimes just talking about the weather, like talking about nothing, like walking around New York. But we would just be like talking about it together. Yeah. You did it in a way that people like they felt engaged with you. They felt connected to you. Like, And that's something that like I, I teach with members. I have a, a community that I teach. And, and that's something that I teach is that when you can create, because I also learned how to do that as a performer, you learn how to do that in person. On stage, you have to learn how to connect. As an actor, you have to connect. Like you have to be able to do those things. So I took the training that I had and just transferred it live. So when I'm on live or I'm doing anything virtual, people, but when you meet me, it's the exact same feeling. It's going to be warm there. It's warm here. And I think where a lot of people were missing was that they would meet people in person and they couldn't understand why it didn't connect. And I just was creating that community on live streaming. And really, and I was at a place in my life where I think I was also using it as therapy as well, because I was coming off of the show where I felt so exposed, but not in a way that I had control over. And I was like, well, this way, I can talk about whatever I want to talk about, however I want to talk about it. And I, we did, we, I created content for creatives about like, this is what you should wear to auditions. This is how you prep for an audition. This is what I have going on. Like I literally treated it like my own television channel. And every day I had different quote unquote programming. Like I was like, my dream is to like, I love producing. So I was like, well, I'm going to produce the content and the conversations that I want to see. And I, that's what I did. Like literally was, I live stream probably multiple times a day, every day for almost a year and a half. Wow. Which is probably why I rarely ever go live now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I get that. Things that we do in the past and then like, yeah. eh, no, I never like even like foods like I'm like, won't eat quinoa now because I was like obsessed with quinoa when I first exactly. discovered it for like only ate it for like, <laughs> it'll do that, you know, <laughs> and with live streaming, you you are can't it's like a thing of you can't be present in your real life and be on live. And I think I was at a point in my life where I needed to build those connections because it was also something personally I needed. And I just don't have those same needs in that way. And I'm just at a place where I just want to be more present in like actual life, which is why I, I feel like I'm not on live like as much as I was then as well. Psst, it's me, Trisha, bringing you a brief, awesome interruption to tell you about my podcast partner, Blissoma, Authentic Green Beauty. Cutting edge chemistry meets traditional herbal knowledge for the best of both words. And now, while I am not a beauty blogger by any means, I have been using organic, green, lean, all the buzzwords, beauty and skin products for 10 years now. And um, it can be a challenge to find ones that work for you and ones that are actually legit and not just greenwashing. This brand I am obsessed with, and I'm not just saying that. I've been using them for over a month now, and it has radically changed the appearance, the feel of my skin, everything. One of my favorites products is the Restore Oil. It's 
a masterpiece of nutritious oils to help keep a huge range of skin types glowing and supple. It's um, honestly, they say that you'll think it's magic and it is like magic. I use it day and night, but I've also been using several of their products. Feel free to DM me at your geologist and I'll let you know. But they also, if you go to blissoma.com, they have like support and a quiz to really help you find the right skin products for you. So go to blissoma.com and you can also use code CLAIMIT for 20% off all oils and serums. Seriously, you got to pay attention to what's in your skincare products. This company is amazing and it works. So then, yeah, while you were sharing that, you named several things. So yeah, there's a book. You have products like, is it skin and beauty products? It, yeah, it all literally started from Periscope. Like Periscope was a jumping off point. Like the first time I said the phrase step up, step out and shine was like kind of like a light bulb moment, like in a Periscope. I was talking to creatives about how, you know, we need to understand digital media and treat ourselves as businesses. And that if we want to be found, like it was really just a phrase of like, make it easy for people to find you. You should step up, step out and shine. And it just kind of became a mantra for like my tribe. And when I started getting booked for more speaking engagements, I was like, originally I was speaking to creatives, but what happened was that I started getting booked for like different types of conferences and entrepreneurs and men and women and people in different stages of their life. And it really started being less about, you know, the digital space and like how to create a brand as much as it was a call to action for your life. And to say that, you know, we all have things about our life that we feel could be more or want to change or want to whatever. And when I looked back at my own life, you know, there was definitely a period where I let things happen to me. But when I started, act, you know, being an active participant in my life, that's when my like opportunities went from being just like great or nice to being transformational. And there's so many people that like, it's like nice things happen. But when you're intentional, that's when you start to really transform your life. And I saw it happen and I could see, you know, and I saw how if I gave the same advice to others, it started to happen for them. And that's really where the book came from. Yeah, because it is. I mean, it's one thing to be, oh, I want this. I wish my life was this way, but to never be taking action and putting yourself out there, like waiting for to be chosen when no one knows about you. It's so yeah. hard to reach out. Hi, I do this. Hey, you want to hear me sing or whatever? You want to hear the eat this food? Like whatever the exactly. thing is, just you want you want new friends. Like right. so many people I know, you know, not older adults, adults that are right. like wanting new friends. But I'm like, well, what are you doing to actually? You just Other one day think it. that someone's going to tap you on the shoulder and be like, let's be friends. Like, yeah, like whatever. <laughs> but so many people I would talk to that would, they were like, well, how did you get to do this? And a lot of it was just kind of, you know, some things I'm very honest about, like some shit just fell in my lap. Absolutely. But I also had to look though, that I was always working. I was always learning things. I was always trying things. I would always be like, you know what? Let me see. Like I was never like, even when I didn't know what I was doing, I was still in many, many ways still moving forward. I was never sitting still. And it's like, I look back on what I learned helping open that boutique and that business. That's, those are skills that I use today. You know, it's like, so everything was still playing a part in building the life that I have now. Yeah. You said lot, a yes to a lot of opportunities that other people could have said no. And you put yeah. yourself out there, whether that was you creating your own, I want to do this or saying right. yes to opportunities. Yeah. yeah. I love that message. And yeah, but it also like, again, like you having that aha light bulb moment when you say it and then, okay, I'm going to speak to other people about it. And then, okay, now I'm going to go write a book like that. You are then like putting things right. in action regularly. It's and, like. and to be honest, and that's why I even tell, I always tell this part of the story is that even the book though was something that was still a moment of like, kind of that came to me. Again, social media is like my lifeline to everything because my publisher had been following me on social and reached out, sent me a DM. And you know, well, like, have you ever thought about writing a book? And I was like, oh, maybe later, like, because it was always something I wanted to, but I didn't necessarily feel like at this stage. And, you know, the more we talked, I just, again, I'm very big on like listening to divine messages. And it just felt like, okay, then if this is coming here, then it's for a reason. And what we found as we started going through the process was that I had been in many ways writing this book for years. Like I went back through Periscope broadcast the first time I said it, you know, those things, Instagram posts, Twitter threads, speeches that I had been giving and like keynotes and different things that I've been doing. The book had in many ways been writing itself over the last few years of my life. And I was like, oh, so I'm not just starting from scratch and from these like three or three or four words in my head. Like I actually had a framework there. And when I looked at it that way and started putting it together that way, I was like, okay. Then I felt more secure in saying, I actually have something to share because I didn't want it to be something 
where it's just like, oh, this feels good, but like, it doesn't give you anything. Like, that's why a lot of times I hate these panels and these like conferences, it's like live your best life. It's like, what does that, like, can you tell me like actually how to do something when I leave here? Or, like, could I leave with some actual steps? And that was my thing I wanted, you know, my goal has, is that when people read this book, yes, I'm sharing personal stories and, you know, things that have happened to me, but I'm also sharing like, this is how you can start going from point A to point B and then to C and the D and recognizing that even after you do that, it may all fall apart again, but now you're not always going back to zero. And I think that's the thing was that I, I accept that failures have happened in my life that I've had a lot of almost, I've had a lot of like maybes. And you know, the year while I was writing the book was like a horrible year for me because a, a project that I thought was going to happen did not happen. And I was like, well, but I was already working on the book. And a lot of it as I was writing, it was like, well, if I'm telling people this, I've got to like be living it as well. And it was very much like proving to myself again, that the words that I'm saying are true. I mean, we're in a year of 2020. If this is not a year that it's falling apart, but I also look at it as that I still know the steps that I have to work. And as long as I work those steps, I can still continue to like work the cycle and that, you know, you decide to step up again, you step out again, and then the shining moments will continue to come. It's just, they're not going to just be constant. It's not like you get to shine and yeah. you just shine forever. Like sun, the sun rises and sets. So does your life. Yes. Yes. Which I am all about reminding people as well. It's not like, Ta-ha! I got here and now like I'm well just always going to, everything's going to be perfect and great for the rest of my life. Right. Like, no, it does not work like that. So yeah, you still have your hands. You've got a lot going on. Like, what are you most passionate about? And like, it seems like you still, yeah, like put yourself out there in mm -hmm. different ways. And that seems to work for you. I'm guessing yeah. that you like being like in different places and mixing in different, different things. Like, what are you like most passionate about? I just love that I have the freedom now to like, I have control over where my life goes, meaning that like we're brand, you know, with brands that I work with, it's a choice. It's, it's not just, I have to do, you know, it's like, it's nice to be able to turn things down. And I was, ne I never thought that I would be at a place in my life and in my career where I could be like, oh, that's not a fit. You know what I mean? And, and it's a blessing. And I recognize that even in 2020, it's a blessing to be able to say that and to look at my life and know that the work that I'm doing or the things that I'm creating or the stories that I'm telling are impacting people in a positive way and also creating opportunities for others. Like the fact that like at the end of the year, I'm like, I can look back and see that I've been able to use revenue that I've generated to help like fund other creatives because I've employed them to shoot my projects or to edit them or, you know, and things like that. Like it's, and when I look at people that I've mentored or that I've helped that are like now doing like amazing campaigns and like doing, you know, things that they've always wanted to do. So that really, I think at this stage for me, is what's making me happiest. Like things are rolling and I'm, I'm very thankful, but I'm just, I'm happiest that the work that I'm doing is creating spaces for other people. Yeah. And so and that's, and you, yeah, you mentioned you have like a program or you work mm -hmm. with people like, yeah, to, for them to create their own. Is that like sort of influencer or creatives or different ways to do it? Like you don't have to be an influencer. You don't have to be because what has happened in the digital space now is that like, you know, I almost want to tell everybody, it's like, get used to the word influence, because if you're on social, like everybody's in, because you have to, like, if you're a founder, you need to be like, to be able to tell your story. If you're, you run any type of business, if you have a book, if you have a podcast, if you have anything that you have created that is in the world that you want someone else to know about, then you need to understand how to present yourself, you know, in, in the digital world. And what I find is that so many really talented people have spent all this time and money creating these great products or platforms or things, but then you, they, but they're like, they can't express it properly. And then you're just undermining like all the work and time and money you spent, or you have a great product, but the social media feed looks horrible, or you get a great opportunity to go on a media platform and you can't take 30 seconds to like clearly say what it is that you do and why we should buy these things or do whatever. And so that's, where the shine academy came from like the book is about addressing like your inside and your life but the shine academy is about now saying okay how do i take you know these things that i'm building that i want to do and whether you know for some people it is influencing i work with authors i work with chefs i work with you know people like really just anyone that is trying to get a better grasp of their digital footprint and express it better you know visually and verbally that's what the shine academy does yeah, I get that because you can be so passionate about what you're doing, whether it's, yeah, a product or yeah, like that. But then like, it's one way you're like, oh, this is so amazing. It's going to change so many people. But then when you have to like be talking about it all the time, then it's like a pull back almost. They're like, oh, like it's this weird thing of like, I know that I can help people or I have this gift to share. Mm -hmm. But let me, uh, I can't be always talking about exactly. how great it is or I am. 
like you need yeah so like finding that balance where it feels good to be like you like this is why and some people don't even know how to get to even that point like it's not even the uncomfortability it's like they can't even articulate what it is that they've created you know what i mean and it's just i'm just like there's enough space for everyone there's enough work for everyone there's enough people to buy your stuff or read your book or what listen to your podcast or watch your website like there's enough people to enjoy all of the things that people are doing but if you can't Put it out there the right way then no one's going to know and then if 2020 is taught, like I, we don't know when the world is going to like, well one the world is never going to revert back to what it what it was but businesses that or you know or people or things that relied on person-to-person interaction to survive have had to pivot yeah. and for those of us that were already in the digital space it's like okay well it's like i already worked from home so like i that has not changed but if you were a business that had to go from like brick and mortar or you needed like in-person events you know to flourish then what do you do now? So that's where I was like, okay, this is where I can help. Like, this is where like the mystery of people not understand. You just post pictures on Instagram. Yes. But there's like a science, you know, there's, there's a little bit more to it than that and get it, you know, and helping people, you know, with that, because that's where a lot of people struggle. Like they don't really understand social media. I think they understand that they need it, but it's still a lot of like negativity almost wrapped. That's right. I'm going to get to the questions I ask everyone trying to wrap it up for you. Okay. I'm going to pull up a image of these are okay. all phrases that go on my keychains and my product line. And I ask every guest to not necessarily pick which phrase you like the most, but which one you feel you want as a reminder in your life right now and why. Mm. And I will be sending you the keychain. Ooh. But again, not just one like, oh, I like that one. Like, oh, yeah, you know what? This is a reminder I actually want. I am here now. I always struggle with being present. And I I was just telling someone that I feel like the lesson for me this year is like to sit still. Normally, I'm traveling. Like, I have not been home this much, like, in maybe 10 years. I feel like last year I went to like five countries. But like, I travel, travel. Like, I travel internationally. I travel domestically. I'm like happiest when I'm in like dumping out a suitcase to pack up another one. And I have not been anywhere. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, but it's, it's made me have to like really sit and say like, how do I spend my time? Am I trying, what am I trying to escape from? Why, you know, like, and not that travel is always escape because I love it, but, but very much having to be present in my life and looking at like, if this is what life looks like, then where do I then find that same joy and that same like excitement and peace and tranquility and like how can I re- you know learn to recharge myself here rather than having to go somewhere to recharge to then come back and then what do I want my life to look like that I always need to need some you know like I don't want my life to always just be so driven and so hard that I've got to go away to like refresh and come back so I'm very much in a space of like figuring out the here and now so that one speaks to me good good love that for you Okay, what is a go-to you do to raise your joy levels? Mm, prayer. Definitely. If I'm feeling uncertain, if I'm feeling scared, I'm feeling angry, I'm feeling off, like I will absolutely pray. And what does that look like to you? Is that, you know, you speaking out loud, just like pausing, closing your eyes and your mind? Because so many people have different types of prayer. All of the above. Like, if yeah. I, you know, if I'm home. You know, I definitely might be out loud, but if I'm out, I might just take a second and close my eyes. But it's also, I could be somewhere where I can't really close my eyes and I'm just, you know, saying it inside and taking that moment. But like, definitely like, yeah. All right. I ask everybody to apply this phrase to their life. What is easiest for you is not always what is best for you. So Mm -hmm. this can be like a habit, a way of being, a way you naturally react. So what is easiest for me is blank. What is best for me is... Hmm. What is easiest for me is relying on myself. What is best for me is leaning on others. Yep. I get that one. (laughs) The last question is the name of the podcast is claim it because I believe that our feelings of being successful, worthy enough. Yeah. Lovable are not out there somewhere. Once I have this, do this, be this. Right. Then I'll feel it forever. Like we mentioned. Yeah. So I feel like we have to claim it for ourselves every single day, sometimes every moment of the day because life comes up. So what are you claiming for yourself right now? Mm, I'm claiming happiness and peace. Love it. Those are good things to feel in the here and now Yes, that we can be putting. Once I do this. Right. Exactly. Then I'll be happy. Then I'll find peace. Yeah. Once the world goes back to normal. Exactly. (laughs) Maybe I can try to channel that right now. (laughs) 
All right. Thank you so, so much. I loved getting to talk to you and hearing your journey and all the work that you're doing and the messages that you're sharing out in the world are so, so valuable and important. So thank you. No, thank you. I was so happy to find your feed through Danica. And it's like, it's one of those, like, I love affirmations and that kind of stuff. So when I saw, I was just like, no, this is like, yes, I need this. I'm always happy when your posts come down my feed, like, cause it is always like a welcome, like reset and like reminder, like that, you know, these words, like affirmations work, like you feel crazy at first and you're doing them. But I was like, like a few years ago when I tried to start, I was like, I can't do this. Like, this is not work, but they do. And it's like, words are powerful and feelings are powerful. And like what you're doing is so needed. I mean, especially now, but just period. So thank you. And I really appreciate it. Yay. Thank you. I love hearing that. And, um, yeah, our words are powerful and the words we tell ourselves are so freaking powerful. So powerful. Like, oh my God. <laughs> and the realization that we can change what we're telling ourselves and believing it. And it's, yeah, it doesn't necessarily, it's easy and poof, you got to work at it, but you actually have to show up and put yourself out there. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. All right. I bet you guys are now in love with Africa, just like I am. For full show notes, things that we mention, go to yourgeologist.com slash podcast and you'll find all the episodes there. For all things Africa, she's at Africa Miranda and africamiranda.com so you can get her book, courses, learn all the things about her there. And of course, I'm at yourdryologist.com. You can shop my products, get my daily inspiration app, watch my videos, all the things. And a reminder, again, please subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, screenshot it, send it to podcast at yourdryologist.com. I'll send you a gift from my product line. But also, starting this week, moving forward, share this episode or any episode really, but anytime you share about the episode on social media, especially Instagram where I'm mostly hanging out and tag me at your dryologist at claim it podcast. And you can also tag the guest. Just give a shout out, love this episode, whatever. Share one of the quotes that I share on my social media. You'll be entered in a giveaway. So every week from now on, I'm gonna do, well, until I stop, but probably at least through the end of the year, every time you guys tag me and share about the podcast, you get entered to win a bunch of gifts. And it's about to be giving season. So you can win one for yourself or to collect to other people. (laughs) All right. So final thought of the day is let's go with it's the claimant podcast. What are you claiming for yourself right now? It could be a way you want to feel. It could be a dream. I just like going with the first thing that comes to your mind. What are you claiming for yourself right now?